0: stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Rebliati's ordeal is, of course, the talk of his hometown, Whistler, British Columbia. Ross Rebliati's snowboarding friends in Whistler, B.C. are standing behind him tonight in his time of crisis. It was a pretty big deal 20 years ago. If you recall, uh, Ross Rebliani, uh repping uh, the Canadian Maple Leaf wins gold in snowboarding uh, at the Nagano Winter Olympics, only to have that gold medal stripped after testing positive for THC. That, oh, my goodness, this guy used marijuana. Uh, but wait a second. Nobody was arguing that marijuana was a performance enhancing drug. It's not like he was using steroids. It was just bad not supposed to do that so they stripped his medal in fact he was uh, arrested and and processed in nagano um, before he was finally released and his medal ultimately returned to him so it was quite an ordeal but he walked away from it i guess as still an olympic gold medalist but very much became uh, a celebrity i I think one of the first interviews he did upon returning to north america was uh, an interview with jay leno on the tonight show uh, it was a big deal, and it was really unnecessary. So what if he smoked some marijuana? It didn't stop him from uh, excelling in his sport, uh, but it certainly did speak to, to the stigma uh, around cannabis use. So 20 years later, Canada has now legalized cannabis, and Ross Rebliotti over these 20 years has remained an advocate and an activist on this issue. So joining us to talk about the significance of legalization. Uh, is the aforementioned Ross Rebliati, com, also legacybrands.ca. Ross, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, good to be here, that's for
0: sure. It's a significant day, isn't it?
1: It very much is. Uh, for Canada, for the world, for G7 countries um, who are looking at what we're doing here, precedent-setting um, in the realm of... Um, you know developed countries and uh you know there's a lot going on behind the scenes right now that we don't even know but um it's it's a big day for for canadians and for cannabis act uh act, activists um around the world that canada's gone in this direction and um people are just happy to be able to conform to the law mm-hmm. and the law of the land is you know for canadians is important and uh so, yeah, I'm not an outlaw anymore.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, 20 years ago, when you went through everything you went through, it didn't seem like legalization would ever happen. I mean, obviously, people were using, but it just seemed like such a political non-starter. I mean, so much has changed, hasn't it? I mean, it's, yeah, it's been controversial, but the fact that it happened, I mean, didn't seem like it, it ever would.
1: No, and I think the lack of the internet during most of the years of prohibition was the main contributor to prohibition itself. Um, the lack of information. Uh, the government was able to put a veil of secrecy over the truth um, because of that. Because of the the information was hard to get, and now with the internet um, and the science behind it, and, and the you know reports being published on the internet um the cat is out of the bag and an ideological standpoint just is not acceptable anymore
0: i mean as far as we've come if you had been competing of the 2018 olympics as opposed to the 1998 olympics do you think your whole experience would have been different or is still the the stigma does it still exist when it comes to to international sports
1: well it's an interesting question i i i'd like to think that if I was competing in 2018 instead of 20 or 1998, that we may still be in 1998 mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I've contributed to the movement. Um, I've been doing interviews in support of cannabis for the, for 20 years now. And um, I've seen a shift over the, these years, two decades, slowly interview by interview. um, The questions changing, um, the attitudes changing and and so forth, and, and having much more meaningful conversations about cannabis and the benefits of cannabis as opposed to, you know, why would an athlete, you know, want to do that to themselves? And now, of course, you know, we know why. And, um, you know, cannabis has many elements to it and components that can be extracted and separated from each other that have very different effects and, and. Um, are now available for people and athletes um, in Canada to, to uh, use in a healthy way and, and for, it to, for Canada, cannabis to be part of a healthy lifestyle.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's such an interesting point because, you know, with the stigma comes the stereotype. And, you know, 20 years ago, you kind of became the, the poster boy for cannabis use. And a lot of people wanted to kind of paint you as the stoner without realizing the irony in that, that that you were competing in international sports at an elite level. You had just won a gold medal in your sport. Uh, you know, that that doesn't exactly jive with the stereotype of, of the lazy stoner, does it?
1: No, and I, I latched onto that concept too back in the day um in that you know i tested positive for thc at the olympics after i won a gold medal i mean to me that was like the perfect storm to bring cannabis out of the shadows and and the dark alleyways if you will and and really enlighten people as to who's using cannabis and you know 98 for me wasn't like You know, I I started using cannabis in the late 80s when I was in high school. And um, by the time 98 came, I had been using cannabis for the better part of a decade by that point. And elite athletes around the world also. And I was in contact with many of those athletes. And over the the years of different Olympic events that I've been to, charity events and whatnot, I've had high-level Olympians from also summer sports. Uh, confide in me that they've been using cannabis for years and years for recovery and for sleep aid and for a multitude of reasons and and that uh, they wish me luck in my you know quest to sort of bring cannabis forward to to the masses in, in a positive light instead of the the stereotype that the government was pushing on us as you know they like to call cannabis the gateway drug to, you know to yeah. all the the worst things in life and um It's really become the exit drug now. Um, People are using cannabis to to quit drinking, to quit smoking cigarettes, to get off of opiates, to get off of a whole multitude of um, pharmaceuticals with horrible side effects, and to be able to grow a a simple plant in their backyard. Now, as of today, we're allowed to grow four plants each. And, you know, Legacy, our our company has um, a two-plant kit coming out with grow tents and all kinds of things that you need to grow your own medicine at home and um you know this is really gonna change you know not just the way canadians look at cannabis but the way the world looks at canada being the first of uh of the g7 countries to go down this road i think that you know along with the you know medicinal benefits and social uh benefits that will come with cannabis. We're looking at the next trillion dollar industry here, people. I mean, yeah. this is something that you cannot turn away from. Uh, we've just gone through a major recession in 08. We're barely coming out of it now. Um, job opportunities, economic benefits for communities. Um, First Nations are, are seeing a, an opportunity here that you know hasn't come their way in, in, since the history of in the history of Canada. So this is really going to benefit people down at a community level. People are going to be able to derive taxes, municipalities are going to be able to use taxes generated for this for schools and roads and helping people in all different ways and you know it's going to trickle down and um, you know we're we're excited and, and proud to be in the cannabis industry today.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And you mentioned opioids, and obviously we're, we're in the midst of this opioid crisis, and a lot of it stems from the, the use and overuse of, of painkillers, and, and that's really relevant for athletes and that dilemma they face and having to deal with injury, try to cope with those injuries, get back to training, and a lot of them fall into that that spiral of, of uh, becoming dependent on these, these kinds of powerful painkillers. Is this why, from your experience, a lot of athletes are, are looking at cannabis as an alternative because they, they don't want to be messing around with those painkillers?
1: 100%. And athletes are looking at cannabis not only as a painkiller, but as a sleep aid for jet lag. Um, athletes who, who are on World Cup circuits um, travel through different time zones all year long and um, use different sleep aids that are also habit forming. Um, there is a multitude of a list, like a mile long list of, of benefits um, that, athletes are are seeing uh, from cannabis and just people in general. I mean, athletes are are basically our race cars of of people. And so when you see Honda, you know, build a Formula One car that wins races, you know that Honda Civic's got something good inside it, right? So when our athletes are using cannabis, that's a, a beacon for the rest of the population to realize, like, look, these people are using cannabis for performance enhancing purposes and... You know, maybe it's high time everybody take a, a second look at it, and um, here we are, you know, 10, 17, 18, legalization, um, 90 years of prohibition in Canada approximately, and, um, you know, now now it's just a matter of moving forward and creating you know better laws around cannabis i mean the governments have done their best but um, to be fair they they weren't experts on cannabis and you know never will be but as we move forward we'll be able to introduce more and more people with a background in cannabis into politics who understand the, the you know the different dynamics of it until cannabis is freely available and, and readily available to, to people at a price point. And if people, we, we would love to see in the future, you know, people have the opportunity to produce cannabis and sell like a craft beer company might, you know, create a certain demand for their particular beer. And, and just like in, in in beer, cannabis has its proprietary growing techniques and different levels of quality and um You know, if you feel like you have a a good technique and you can put that to market and people want to buy it, you should be allowed to do that. And so there's going to be a lot of changes moving forward. It's not a perfect system rolling out um, off the bat, but, you know, it's a great start and, um, you know, it's something we can work with.
0: In terms of, um, you know, the uh, World Anti-Doping Agency, obviously professional sports leagues have different approaches. The NHL doesn't test for it. They just kind of turn a blind eye to it. The NFL, for example, they'll suspend athletes for a positive test. But, I mean, even for you 20 years ago, they, they took away your medal. They even put you in jail briefly. But then you ended up getting it back. So, I mean, how is cannabis dealt with by, by these, these uh, international sporting agencies?
1: Well, the World Anti-Doping Association, WADA, has accepted CBD and that they've taken CBD off the list of banned substances. And that's the um, governing body of the Olympics that determines what their list of banned substances are. So with that in mind, um, athletes now will be allowed to to use CBD however they they see fit. And, um, you know, that will open the conversation up as, you know, to the greater good of, of cannabis and, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, if athletes are allowed to consume alcohol and cigarettes, I mean, they should be allowed to use a, a product that's healthy as well and that would be cannabis and so, you know, that's, that's something that, that we're looking at, you know, in Rio, at the, the Summer Olympics in Rio, they weren't testing for cannabis at that one. And, you know, in 2020 in Japan, you know, there's another Winter Olympics coming there. And Japan has recently allowed CBD um, to be sold freely, uh, uh, you know, in in Japan. So we're looking at that market as well. So, you know, this is really sweeping the the world. And, you know, like I said before, we're the first G7 country to do this uh, at this level. And I think what we're going to realizes other countries in G7, you know, following suit and participating in the economic and social benefits.
0: Indeed. Well, Ross, we'll leave you there. Much more at uh, rossreblietti.com, legacybrands.ca. It's been great talking to you here today. Thanks so much for making some time for us. My pleasure. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.